You're listening to Faith Assembly of God Online, a recording of our weekly service. Thanks for joining with us, the place where hope and reality converge. I believe every single one of us would agree that we want God's blessing in our home, but in order to have God's blessing, we must create the atmosphere that would welcome and invite His presence. You cannot have His blessing apart from His presence. How many know that today? They go together. You cannot get God's blessing without applying or making room or inviting or creating an atmosphere for His presence to dwell. If you set the atmosphere for God's presence, He will bring with Him all the blessings that come with Him, and He will bring the blessings as we We create the atmosphere and the place for His presence. The Bible says this, that in the presence of the Lord there is fullness of... You've read that before. How many have a joyful home? How many would would say with me that home is the most joyous place on earth for you? That is your getaway. That is the most exciting, refreshing, enjoyable place is at home. I don't know where you might be today. You might say, well, we're halfway there. You might say, yeah, we've got, we've, got the, the, we've got a place of joy and all that's there. But if we're going to have joy, that joy is connected to the presence of the Lord. The Bible, of course, puts together. And we know that the spirit, that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's freedom so that the gifts of the Spirit and the, the fruits of the Spirit might take place. And one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. That God's joy would come and, and it fill our homes, be a place of His presence. We talked last week about the importance of harmony. And uh, last week as we kicked it off, that the importance of, of harmony in our homes, as the Bible says in Psalm 133, that it is pleasant. How pleasant and wonderful it is when brethren dwell together in harmony or in unity. And I like the word harmony, and they both, they both fit. And I believe harmony is, is, uh, is, is appropriate because harmony, of course, produces music. And we said this last week, that it produces such a beautiful sound to God that he, that he leans in to hear, that he leans in to listen to the music that we make that as we have harmony in our homes and that as he leans in his presence comes and in order to have harmony we've got to agree on a standard now harmony doesn't come because we agree with each other's opinion it's when we lift a higher standard in our home to say we are going to agree according to what God's standard is and we closed out talking about the importance of loving not just what is ours we don't love our children yes they might be our children our grandchildren you might love your parents yes it's your mom it's your dad it's your children You might love because they're yours, but when we love to a higher standard, we don't just love because they're ours, we love because they belong to God. Husbands, you don't love your wife because she's your wife, you love her, yes, because she's your wife, but more, a higher standard, is you love her because she is a daughter of God. Wives, you don't love your husbands because they're your husband, yes, you do, but you love them to a higher standard, and that is you love because they are, they belong to God, they are sons of God, that we are are together those who belong to God and we love to a higher standard and when we do that how many know that's where harmony flows the harmony flows and as harmony begins to flow that God's presence comes into that place where there's harmony there are moments in life where our homes will not always be harmonious how many have known that Sometimes we're a little off key. Have you ever had music come out of your home? Well, that didn't sound too good. We, we got a little bit of a high note that didn't that didn't quite hit too well. That's we can work through that. That's called rehearsal. How many know life is all about rehearsal? And every life, everything that we're doing, we're rehearsing how it is to live out this life with Christ. Aren't you thankful that rehearsals aren't the final, the final performance? Can I tell you where the final performance is going to be? The final performance is going to be when I stand before God 
And he's going to look at me. And he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. And the only way he's going to say that is not because, Jason, you've done everything right. He's going to say, because you've allowed my son to cover you. And his blood has washed you. And because of that redemption, that sanctification then that takes place, that cleansing, it is now a rehearsal. Every day, I'm rehearsing and learning how to live more and more like Jesus Christ. And as we do that on a daily basis, that creates harmony in our homes. It creates harmony in our, in our relationships, in our, in our church. This morning, I want to talk about uh, the, uh, the importance of, of entertaining the presence of God, but looking at it with proper perspective. This morning, I want to share a message entitled, The Misconception of Perfection. Look at your neighbor this morning, just in case they were wondering, just let them know, just let them put their mind at ease. Just tell them this morning you're not perfect. Just go ahead and tell them. In case you're wondering, I just want you to know today, I'm not perfect. In case you, were, in case you weren't sure, in case, you were, in case you were wondering, in case you wanted to know this morning, that some of you are like, I need you have to get the words out of my mouth. Stop, I know, you're not perfect. That's, we all know that about ourselves. We realize it. We can live in this, this understanding of perfectionism, that we can try to reach something that is perfect, but we realize that in this life, we will not reach perfection. There's not one of us who are perfect. There's not one of us who have it all figured out. Perfection is not something that we can attain. In fact, the, the word perfect means to conform to an ideal or a standard, a standard of excellence. I want you to know when it comes to homes and it comes to families, there are no perfect husbands. There are no perfect wives. There are no perfect children. There are no perfect grandparents. There are no perfect boyfriends or perfect girlfriends or, or, or perfect uh, whatever condition, whatever state you might be in. There are no perfect families on this earth. We're not perfect. In fact, I want us to look this morning in Genesis chapter 16 because I find it interesting that here it is, we're going to look at a family and this is the family upon which God gave this promise. He said, through you, Abraham, or Abram at the time, I will bless you and the entire world that from you there will be a blessing that will reach from generation to generation until the end of the earth. This is the family that God chose to allow blessing to flow from. Now, how many would be like, me and you would think oh if God's going to use this family to cause blessing to flow all the way through it must be a special pedigree of family how many would think like I would and say oh if God's going to use that to create something good this must be a very well put together all figured out perfect perfectly stitched together have it all good kind of family we're going to look at what this family was that God established and said, through your line, I'm going to bless. He said to Abram, it says in Genesis chapter 16, and here we pick it up this morning and looking at this, and I want you to see what God is able to work. And here's what I want to encourage us with. My prayer is this, that there's someone here today who might feel as if you're not good enough or feel as if giving up or feeling like you don't have what it takes, that God would encourage you not to run away from your crisis, not to run away from where you are, but to trust God in the midst of your circumstance because he's not finished working in the midst of where you are he's not finished working i want you to hear this scripture and we're going to read genesis chapter 16 looking at the first family the family that god speaks this promise that through you he gives this covenant and this promise it says sarai who is abraham's wife had no children. So Sarai took her servant, an Egyptian woman named Hagar, and gave her to Abraham so she could bear his children. The Lord has kept me from having any children, Sarai said to Abram. Go and sleep with my maidservant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abraham agreed. Doesn't this sound like a wonderful family? 
I mean, we're just two verses in right now. Hey, God, are you sure you picked the right family? God, God, are you sure you picked the right people? No, Sarah, of course, has a solution. She's, she comes up with this idea, and Abraham says, all right, whatever you say. <laughs> Verse 3, so Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian, the servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. This happened 10 years after Abram first arrived in the land of Canaan. So Abram slept with Hagar, and she became pregnant. When Hagar knew she was pregnant, she, became, she began to mistreat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abram, it's all your fault. Now this servant, I'm glad you're laughing. I'm glad you're... Now this servant of mine is pregnant. Wait, wasn't that what you intended? How many have noticed sometimes you think you know what you want until you get what you thought you want? You realize it wasn't what you wanted in the first place? Because what you wanted wasn't really in line with what God had for you. And you got ahead of God. And that you thought that's what you wanted. But how many know you can't go back and undo what you wanted and you have? So how do you live when you got what you wanted but it wasn't what you wanted. So now you have what you thought you wanted. Don't look at me like that. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> that makes sense. If it doesn't make sense, it made sense in my mind. So... Now the servant of mine is pregnant and she despises me, though I myself gave her the privilege of sleeping with you. The Lord will make you pay for doing this to me. Abram replied, since she is your servant, you may deal with her as you see fit. So Sarai treated her harshly and Hagar ran away. Beautiful family, isn't it? This is wonderful. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside the desert spring along the road of Shur. The angel said to her, Haggai, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? I'm running away from my mistress, she replied. Then the angel of the Lord said, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. That'll mess you up right there. We'll hit that a little later. The angel added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard about your misery. This son of yours will be a wild one. <laughs> Free and untamed, as wild as a donkey. What, how many of you moms would be so excited? <laughs> Thank you, Lord. He will be against everyone and everyone will be against him. Hallelujah. Yes, he will live at odds with his brothers for the rest of his life. I, this is the family that God is beginning a work through. By the way, we do recognize, and you can trace this all the way back, this aggressive nature, Ishmael, is where we get, literally, she was giving birth to terrorists. This is where we, what we have today in, in, in Islam. And uh, yes, in radical Islam, uh, but I, I say in, in, uh, uh, with heartfelt compassion that Islam is not a way to heaven, that it is, a, uh, it is a way for some to get to their God, but it is not the way to the God who is, who is the author and the finisher of faith. It is a, uh, it is a cult and a place that, that of course, uh, entertains uh, the thought of a false religion. We realize that, but as well, it gives way to hatred and to aggression and to all the evil that we have. And it's not just all the evil, but a lot of the evil of terrorism, what we see, it comes through this line. 
Isn't it interesting that when we think we know what we want and we get what we want and it's not what we really wanted in the first place, what we set course to. And you may have set course to some things that you can't undo. You can't take it back. You can't undo those things that you've done in life. Your imperfections and flaws have occurred. You can't go back and undo it. But I want you to see the grace of God that he works through it. God will work through what you still are not able to undo. Even though you cannot undo it, God can still work through it. Even though it's something you can't go back and change the course of, God is able to redirect. And what you thought was something that would change your future, God is able to rewrite history and rewrite something in your life. And I want you to see this as we look at this. She says, that the angel says to her, you're going to conceive this son. He's going to be hard to live with. His brothers aren't going to like him. He's going to fight. He's going to be wild and untamed. She says here that thereafter... Hagar referred to the Lord who had spoken to her as the God who sees me. She says, for I have seen the one who sees me. I have seen the one who sees me. In fact, she's got this sense of, I can't believe it, but I've just seen God. God has shown up in the midst of my misery, in the midst of my chaos, in the midst of my unfortunate circumstance, in the midst of what was not his perfect, what was not his plan from the beginning or his desire, his will, but God worked and God has shown up in the midst of my misery. God is in the place of where I am. I want you to look at someone and just tell them this morning, I can't believe what I'm about to see. Just just say that to somebody. Some of you need to encourage yourself this morning. I'm not talking to anybody. Do it. Please. I can't believe what I'm about to see. Here's why. Because some of you have been convinced from the devil to quit looking forward to anything. Because some of us have been put in situations and we're saying things like, I'm never going to see that happen. I'm never, I'm never going to see that come about in my husband. I'm never going to see that come about in my children. I'm never going to see that come about in this circumstance. I'm never going to see anything come. And the enemy wants to put these thoughts in our minds and convince us that what we have is what we have. It's the cards that we're dealt with. We're going to have to live with it. It's never going to improve, never going to work out nothing's ever going to change it's never going to get better i want you to know that's from the enemy i want you to hear what hagar heard and she said i can't believe what i'm about to see i can't believe what god is setting up my eyes have seen the lord and has seen what he's prepared for us I can't believe what I'm about to see. Have you noticed that sometimes your mind can play tricks on you? Have you ever saw something that you thought was there, but it really wasn't? Or you missed something that really was there? You miss these, these moments, and sometimes this misconception of perfection is even part of that, that we can't believe what we say or what we're going to see. But a misconception is an erroneous perspective. To have an improper perspective on something is to, is to be at that place of, of having a misconception. There are, without a doubt, moments that we see things that aren't real, and, and uh, it happened in our home. It was a number of years ago. We were living in Dillsburg. Jalen, uh, of course, of, of age, getting fevers, and so you give her ibuprofen. Ibuprofen worked very well. So every time Jody would give her ibuprofen, the fever would break. It worked. Yes, we prayed. Yes, we believed the Lord, but ibuprofen played a part of it, and it worked. It was effective. I would travel a good bit at that time, and I remember one time Jody said to me, she said, we can't give Jalen ibuprofen. It's having some effects. I said, honey, the effects are the fever's breaking. It's the best. It works better than Tylenol. She said, I understand, but it's doing some other stuff too. And I said, I thought, well, you know what? At least the fever's going. We can live with the other stuff. It's no big deal. Until one day I experienced it myself. I was sitting on one couch, Jalen laying on the other. The fever is breaking, and she's, obviously, it's working. Things are going good until she sits up on the couch and looks at me with this dead stare and turns to the hallway and begins having a conversation with someone who is not even there. And all of a sudden, the hair on the back of my head and my neck stood up. 
that this is a freaky situation right now. She looks as if I'm not even in the room. In fact, it happened one time as Jody was there. She opens the door and Jalen just lets out a huge scream. Ah, like death-curdling scream. She was hallucinating from the medicine. When I experienced it myself, I said, no more, no more ibuprofen. Throw it out. We're not even going to have it. I didn't know if we had to cast out demons. I didn't know what was going on. But this was not right. She's having conversations with people. Hi, what are you doing? I, she's calling people in the hallway. We don't even know who those people are. She's having conversations. They're not even there. Sometimes in our lives, in this same regard, some of us are swallowing pills and hallucinating over things that aren't really there. We're seeing things that aren't really there. Here's what I mean by that. We say things like, if only my husband was like that husband. If only my wife was like that wife. If only my family was like that family. If only my upbringing and my parents were like that home. If only I had that kind of home. And we live in this comparison and we see things that we think are real. But in reality, what you think is there is not really all that you think it is. Because what looks perfect on the outside, the closer you get, it's not as perfect as you thought it was. It's not as all put together as you thought it was. That marriage that you think, man, if only, and I'm sure everybody would think, man, if only my husband was like Pastor Jason. (laughs) I I like to dream sometimes, you know. I think y'all know me. We're not perfect. But you come on over and find out that What you think on the outside was all put together in reality. It's not everything you thought it was. Because there is no such thing as perfection. There's no such thing in this place where we are. Sometimes we we live in this trap and and we're trapped between two traps. One on each side that we pursue perfection that is not reality. We think and we say things and and we, we compare. And sometimes we dumb down what God has for us because we're adequate. We just compare. We'll say things like, Well, you ought to hear what other wives say or you ought to know what other husbands do and we justify what we do comparing to what other people do. I don't care. In your marriage, your marriage isn't going to be affected because you act like so-and-so. Your marriage isn't going to be affected because on the scale of that person, you're doing pretty, you're all right, you're doing good, you're good, just stay right where you are, that's good. No, no, on a scale of where you are, comparison, if you want to look at perfection, it's not your opinion of what you think perfection is around you. Perfection is what's above you. It's the standard that we're called to ahead of us that God has set for us. He said we're to love like Christ. He said we're to submit and humble in the fear of God, that we're to live in a way that is unto the Lord. But we get stuck in this sometimes, this misconception of perfection. On one side, we realize that things aren't perfect, and so we feel that we're trapped in this place, and we're, we feel like we're trapped in this area of not good enough on one side of perfection is we don't feel good enough but then on the other side of perfection is we know we're not good enough so we just try to create an image to make everybody think we are we live in an image and we create an image to just make everything look okay I realized this early on when I was parenting and I realized my parenting skills need some help because as Jaron was a little kid, I think it was at a Haas's one time and he's eating and he's old enough to know better, but he's still a kid. And while he's eating there, he's throwing corn across the table. He still does that. No, he doesn't. He's... <laughs> About a year ago, he quit and we broke him of that habit. But I remember this happening, and, and he's making a scene. He's a ha, ah, you know, making noise and doing all this. This is what came out of my mouth, the excellent parent that I am. This is how I parented him in that moment. I said, stop it. People are watching. <laughs> Has your parents ever said that to you? 
How many know what I'm talking about? How many would admit the parenting skills with me and we have addressed things not out of correction but out of perception? We said, stop it. People are looking. I've got an image to keep up here. I want people to think I've got my home in order. Everything's perfect. Stop throwing mashed potatoes in your nose. Stop it. I need everybody to think I've got this happening and isn't that what we're motivated sometimes that i wasn't addressing with him hey jaron we don't do that at the table i was addressing i don't want to look like that in front of people and we settle with an image and we miss sometimes and we get caught up in living in a world of misconception of perfection and we chase after an image that isn't real we chase after something and we live our lives instead of allowing ourselves to be real we live just trying to cover up Make it look all right. We're going to be all right. We've got this all together. No, you don't. Only by the grace of God are you going to be held together. Only by his favor and the work that he can do in our lives. So we live between these things, this misconception. And when we're not seeing things properly, there's a misconception of perfection. But I want to encourage you this morning, and I want you to say in your spirit, I can't believe what I'm about to see. I can't believe what I'm about to see, what it is that God is about to reveal. I want you to look real quick with me. Here's Sarai, the mother, the wife of Abram, who God has said through you and through your line, I'm going to bless every generation. And how many know God gave that promise to Abram, but he also gave it to Sarai? Abraham and Sarah. If I can, I'm going to call them Abraham and Sarah. This is before their name has been changed, but we all know who their names are, so I think you'll give me that permission. Here's Abraham and Sarah, and she's, call, she's called and promised just like he is. And they know that God has a purpose, and God is going to do something in their life. God has a perfect plan in store for their home. I want you to know today, even though your husband isn't perfect, God still has a perfect plan for your marriage. Even though your wife isn't perfect, God still has a perfect plan for your marriage. That's the grace of God, that the perfection of his plan in your life is not built upon the perfection of the people you're doing it with. The perfection of God's plan isn't based and limited to the people who are perfect around you, but only to the one who is perfect over you, the one who is able to bring things about. Here's what happens when we have a misconception of perfection. When we run after image, here's some things that we do, and I want to look at from, from Sarah's life, and here's number one. We mishandle our frustrations. When we have a misconception of perfection, we mishandle our frustrations. Here's what we do. We are frustrated over things that are out of our control. For Sarah, it was this. I want to have children, not just because I want a child to hold, she would say, not because I just want to be a mom. Those are all natural instincts that are desirable, but I also want a child because I want some status and I want some position in my culture that in this time that if you didn't have children you weren't seen as having much value and worth it was in the culture here that you were not valuable to your husband if you weren't having children it was a condition and it's something that they would build their lives upon and here it is for Sarah what she's saying is I want to have status and something that I desire and so she desires something so strongly that she takes control over something she has no control over Notice what she does. She says, I'll give you Hagar, my maidservant. She can do that. She had rights to do that. According to the culture, it was her, and by the way, culture, not the law, not the word of God, not God's ways. It was culture. Let me just intersect here and just in inject a statement that just because the culture said something is legal doesn't mean it's right in God's eyes. Just because the culture says something doesn't mean 
it goes all the way back to Abraham and Sarah. This is not a new thing today, church. Abraham and Sarah lived in a day where the culture said it's okay to sleep with your maidservant. And God said, I never said that. I never said that, but I'm, I'm going to still, I'm, I'm a gracious God and I'm going to work in the midst of your foolishness. But be careful, don't justify and think, well, just because culture does this, that we adopt the same means as culture. No, our direction comes from the word of God, what God's word would say. She takes Hagar, the maidservant, and she gives her to Abraham. And the Bible says that this is her words. She said, perhaps you can have children through Hagar. And she says, and I will have, I'll have children. Isn't that kind of weird, ladies? Hey, Hagar, but you're somehow expecting they're going to be yours. I mean, Leah and Rachel, they never had that thought. Where was it that Sarah just immediately jumped to and said, I'm going to be possessive of this? Can I just say to you, whatever's not perfect in your life, be careful that you don't mishandle the frustrations you're dealing with. Because wife, your husband might not be perfect, but you trying to manipulate and control him isn't going to make him any better. Your desire to manipulate and control. Husband, your wife might not have everything way, the way you want it to be and things that you might always desire. But your, your attempt to manipulate and control the situation is not going to make it better. You're going to cause, you're going to mishandle the frustration that you're dealing with. You're coming to a place where sometimes instead of hands on, it's got to be hands off. Instead of trying to create and get, bring something about, it's a matter of saying, okay, God, I'm going to lay this at your feet. And I'm going to trust you. Some of us are in place, and I would encourage you today, there's some things we need to lay at God's feet. If you've got relationships, maybe it's parents, teenager, maybe you'd say, man, my, my, my parents, I love them, but this thing about them, the way they handle these things, it frustrates me. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. I don't want to fight going home from church today. But we all, let's all be real. That There are times where things frustrate. It's not going the way that I want. Here's what we need to do. We need to lay that at the feet of God. And we've got to say, God, I'm giving you my parents. God, I'm giving you my, my husband. God, I'm giving you my wife. Here's something that I got convicted of recently. And that is that I've said to God, God, I'm giving you this situation. And what I found, my God showed me this picture. Because that's how he speaks to me. I, I like word pictures. And uh, I was praying one day. And the picture I had was me bringing my needs to God. And I'm laying it before God. And as I'm laying it before God, the problem is that I'm standing there and waiting, God, waiting for God to fix it and give it back to me. How many know what I'm talking about? I, I, God, I've got this situation, so I'm giving this to you, and I'm going to stand here and wait for you to fix it and then give it back to me. The, the Lord just convicted me and spoke to me said, and just my, my spirit said and to me, saying, why would you stand there and wait for me to give it back to you when that has no issue and no matter on what I called you to do you don't have to stand here and wait you keep going and do what I've called you to do because if you're standing there waiting for me to give you back what's broken then you're making your life all about that thing and not about your pursuit of me you're making it all about this and not about me you're making it about your pieces being put together and your life being put together I might say this to to someone who has a relationship someone that that's frustrating you and you've got to turn them over to God you might say this and I, I might put it in a in a scenario of a wife waiting for a husband to come along and be a godly man and be a, a loving person to be right god would say this to you don't put your husband at the door of god at god's door and stand there and wait for god to fix your husband here's why because if you don't keep moving and letting god do what he needs to do in your life god might not be ready to give him back to you because you might break him too quick sometimes god's not giving things back to us because he might give it back to us whole and we'll quickly mess it up i know that doesn't sound too nice but 
How many would admit and have to acknowledge sometimes God can't give things back because we're not at a place to be able to take care of it. And God would say, you leave it at my door. You go ahead and leave that at my door and you keep going where I've called you to go. Don't stand out my, outside my door and wait for me to give it back to you fixed. You go and at the right time, I'm going to show up at your place where it thinks to be a desert, what thinks to be a difficult place. I'm going to show up at just the right time. You might not have been expecting it, but I want you to know I can't believe what I'm about to see. I can't believe what I'm about to see God do. I can't believe what he's going to do. You lay it at his feet and you keep honoring and trusting God. And at the right time, he's going to bring back to you that relationship, that situation, that circumstance. Don't sit there and wait for him to fix it. You leave it at the door and you keep on going. You put it at his feet. Don't worry about it anymore. You keep on serving. You lay it down and you say, I'm not moving. And then in this direction, I'm going to continue to seek the, the will of God and the purpose of God in my life. Let me give you number two. Number one, we got to be careful. We don't mishandle frustration. Number two, we've got to be careful that misconception of perfection will cause us to misplace blame. We misplace blame. Here's what blame causes us to do. We look at things and instead of identifying what needs to change inside of us, notice Sarah, it's all your fault, Abraham. See, I had this perfect plan worked out and if you would have gone by my guidelines and by the way I had this figured out, if you would have done this the way I had this written out, how many know Sarah had it all scripted? She had a playbook. I mean, she had it all put in her mind. And how many would say the same? You've got it all played out in your mind of how everything's going to be happy ever after. But when it doesn't go the way you thought, all of a sudden it feels like we're done. You ever been there? Maybe because you're writing the script and God says, that's not the one I'm writing. Maybe because, and when you're writing the script, you're looking at, well, it didn't go that way. I got to find somebody to blame. Well, who is it going to be? Notice what she does. She blames Abraham. And then what'd she do to Hagar? She treated her harshly so that she would run away. Wow. Sarah had some control issues. You know, the mother upon which God said, I'm going to build a great nation and cause great things to come about. You know the mom that had it all put together. And Abraham, who was so honoring God and so willing to do what God wanted that his wife, just in one suggestion, to go sleep with the maidservant. Okay. You know the perfect family. I, I want you to know, listen, here's my, my, my point is this. Not in a place of justifying our imperfections, but in a place for us to say that we're going to trust God that no matter what our past has been, because I want you to see... You, you can't believe what you're about to see. You, you can't believe what you're about to see, what God is able to do. What are some blames that you're placing around that you've got to identify and say, God in me, there's some things I need to address. Just the same, you lay it at the door and don't wait there for God to fix it. You keep moving on and say, God, deal with me so that I'm going to be found ready at, at the right time for you to bring that back to me. Let me give you number three. When we look at the misconception or have a misconception of perfection, the other thing that tends to happen is that the other thing that would tend to happen is that we mistake our place. Hagar is now involved in this. And I want you to see these three people that are involved in this story. Sarah is the one who conceived the idea. Abraham willingly went along with it. Hagar had no choice of her own. Wherever you are today, all bases are covered. You might be the one who started the chaos, the unfortunate decision. You might be the one who gave way. You might be the one who just agreed with it. And you might even be the one, or you might be the one who just got stuck in the middle of it. You might be there out of your control, unwilling. Wasn't your choice. 
But in one of those conditions, you found yourself in a place, and here's what happens. Whenever things don't go as way, the way we scripted and the way we think they ought to go, we sometimes are tempted to do what Hagar did. The Bible says that the angel found Hagar out in the desert, and she said, where are you coming from and where are you going? And what did she say? I'm running away from my mistress. There's some of us today in situations. There's some of you here today who have been tempted to run away. But the only thing that's kept you is an image. The only thing that's kept you is what people might say. I know this is getting real. I know this is getting to a heart issue. I know that. I think in the church, we ought to let God get real with us and address some stuff. That we would even say to God, God, I've been tempted to run. God, I've been tempted to run from that church, from that family member, from that spouse, from that situation, from that thing, because things don't go as designed, things don't go as I planned, and our first thought is to run. But what did God say to Hagar? Go back, go back to your, maid, your, 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 uh, your mistress and honor her. I'm not giving you direct counsel for your situation. I'm only telling you, be careful you don't reject God from your situation. Let me explain that. I'm not giving you direct counsel to say in your situation you need to do this. I'm not doing that. But what I am saying is be careful you don't run too quick because God would say, I want you to see what I'm about to do. I want you to see what I'm about to work in. Don't run away just because it didn't meet the standards it doesn't look like it was supposed to you need God's grace to flesh that out in your life I can't as a preacher be here to tell you and tell you how to make that work I'm telling you today the only way that can work is when you submit to God's grace and allow him to give you the grace and the strength to walk through that and to flesh that out and to trust him in whatever it is that you're facing amen you need the grace of God to do that I can't do that for you. You can't do that for me. We need the grace of God as we do that, as we live that out. But I would encourage us, be careful, because here's what happens. Whenever things don't go the way we like or, or don't meet expectations, we tend to run in another direction and we tend to miss out on what it is that God is able to do. Does that make sense? What I'm saying to you is don't run away from what God is desiring to put back together. Don't run away and give up on something that God said, I'm able to do more than you can ever imagine. You can't even imagine what I'm about to do. I'm just saying to you, don't run away before God says, watch what I'm about to do in your life. Now you might be here today and recognizing in our lives, we are imperfect people. Notice the Bible says, I'm going to ask the worship team to come and help us close. Ishmael is born, and notice who Ishmael is, and I want to give you the last thing, that we've got to be careful of misconception of perfection, and here it is, that if we have a misconception of perfection, we'll miss seeing God at work, and that's the last point. Number one, we'll mishandle, we'll mishandle our frustrations. Number two, what's number two? Misplace our blame, thank you. 
I forgot. That's why I had to ask you. <laughs> Number three, mistake our place. We'll, run, we'll, we'll think our place isn't here and we'll try to run. We'll try to remove ourselves. Number four, we'll miss seeing God. Here's Hagar and she's angry. She's frustrated. This isn't right. This isn't fair. It's not what I desired. I'm in a situation that I didn't plan for this. This isn't what I signed up for. I got happily ever, married ever after. I made a commitment and I didn't see this on the radar. This wasn't in my plans. This family that I'm born into, I didn't have the choice of this family that I've been brought into. And you can look at all the circumstances and all the situations and put all the details together. But here's what I want you to see. She says to, he says to Hagar, he says, go back. And in that moment, something happens in her because he says, name your child Ishmael, which means the Lord has heard. The Lord showed up in the midst of your misery. The Lord showed up even in the midst of your failure, in the midst of your imperfection, in the midst of your difficulty. And here's the second thing that she recognizes and the Lord tells her what to name the child and then she gives a new name to the place where she's standing. She says, I can't believe what I've just seen. My eyes have seen the Lord. I have seen the Lord. Don't miss. Because you're here today and you and I have all given birth to Ishmael's. Some of you are like, what'd you call my child? No, 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 no. What is Ishmael? What's the name of Ishmael? Ishmael will be untamed and wild. Untamed and wild, right? Some of us have allowed Ishmael words to come out of our mouths. Untamed and wild words that we know once we've said them, we can't get them back. I mean, you know what I'm talking about? We've spoken some Ishmael words. We've made some Ishmael actions. We've done some Ishmael things in our lives that are wild and untamed. We've allowed attitudes, actions, habits, whatever. We have all given birth to Ishmael in our life. Every single one of us, including me. You know the guy who has it all together, so you think. Some of you are like, no, we know you. That's all right. Because I'm telling you, this, this husband has said some things that were wild and untamed and said, I need to get that back. I can't. So you know what I say? God, I can't go back and undo what I've done, but I know you can still work through what I can't undo. Because here's why. Whatever those things are. Now, I'm not saying, hey, go make all the Ishmaels you want. <laughs> if you heard that from this message, God help you. No, what I'm saying is you can't go back and undo the Ishmaels that you've spoken, that you've done, that you've created. You can't go back and undo those Ishmaels, but you can honor and trust God and he can work through even the things you can't undo. Somebody say amen to that. He's going to work through even the stuff you can't undo. And I know we all have things here today. Man, I wish I could go back in time. I'd do this different. If I could have done this different, if I could have gone to this situation, if I could have done this thing, and we all could look at things. Remember last week we talked and we said, hey, getting the ball into the goal means quit kicking it backwards, kick it ahead. Don't kick it back to where you've been. Kick it forward. Kick it ahead to what God has for you. Don't quit playing the game in the past. Kick it forward to call things out that God would have. And here's what I want you to see. Joseph had a promise, or, or Abraham had a promise. Ishmael was born. And I know they would look and say, man, we missed the mark there. How many would agree? And Abraham and, uh, Abraham and Sarah would have to say, hey, honey, that was not our shining moment in trusting Jesus. Right? 
193 years after Ishmael was born, listen to this. Abraham, the father who's going to give birth to the great nation, 193 years after Ishmael was born, the Bible says that Abraham's great, great, great grandson, who was Joseph, Joseph, the son of Isaac, or Jacob, and in the line of, of Abraham's descendants, Joseph had a dream as a teenager. Hey guys, I saw your sheaves, your wheat bowing down to my wheat. I'm going to rule one day. How many know his brothers are like, I don't like your dream. So the Bible said that they put Joseph in the pit. And they even wanted to kill him. Remember that? They wanted to kill Joseph, one of the descendants through which the promise was given. But listen what happens, I believe, in, in, in Genesis 37. Look at this. Look at this scripture with me. Here in Genesis 37, it says, So when the Ishmaelites, who? So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. And the traders took him to Egypt. How did Joseph get to Egypt? The Ishmaelites who were born from 193 years ago from a relationship that was a failure. It should not have happened, but God did what they could not undo. God worked through what they could not undo. And 193 years later, God uses the, those who are descendants of Ishmael to get Joseph from Canaan to Egypt. Because here, fast forward now. Oh, this is, I can't believe what you're about to see. I'll tell you what. I love this stuff. This is, I'm telling listen. I can't believe what I'm about to see. Listen what it says in Genesis chapter 50. Joseph is now turned. His brothers find out who he is. And listen what Joseph says in Genesis 50. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for his good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. You know what he said? God used that failure to get me to the place that I could save the lives of many people. You might not be able to go back and undo what you've done, but God is able to work through what you can't undo. God is able to work through what you cannot go back and undo. Your Ishmael that you gave birth to might be a vehicle that God says, I didn't plan for that. That wasn't my intention. But what was intended to bring harm, I'm going to cause that to bring good. And that's going to be the vehicle to get you to Egypt because that's where you're going to save many lives. I want you to know today, quit boo-hooing the failures and quit living in the past of what has been because you're not perfect. You don't have it all put together. Start rising up and say, my God is greater than all my failures. My God is greater than all my sin. No matter what I'm in today, God is able to overcome and to cause something good to come out of what was meant to be something devastating. What was meant to kill you? <laughs> God's going to use it and turn it around. And you might even look and say, yeah, but it was all my fault. Yep. Hey, Sarah, I'm not going to argue with you there. You had a bad idea, Sarah. This was not a good plan. This was not what God intended. This was not anything that was supposed to be. But I can work in what you can undo because what you can undo is still what I'm able to work through. So this morning, I want to encourage you today to say to God, God, my husband might not be perfect, but I know you're making, I'm kicking the ball forward. My wife not, might not be all she needs to be yet. Our marriage might not be what it needs to be yet. I'm kicking the ball forward. 
I'm not living in the past of all the failures and all the things that I can look at and say, this can't happen, this can't happen. The devil wants you to put in your mind all the stuff my husband will never change. The devil wants you to say, my husband will never get saved. He wants to say that, that I don't believe it can ever happen. But I want you to leave here today saying, I can't believe what I'm about to see. I can't believe what I'm about to see because 193 years later, Ishmael shows up again. And he got Joseph from where he was to where God called him to be. Listen, he didn't need Ishmael. I want you to hear me. Listen to me. He didn't need Ishmael to do that. But God said, I'm still greater than all your failures. I'm a God who my plans, I already know. I already know that you are a human. I already know that you're mortal. I already know that you have weaknesses. I already know where your weaknesses are. And my grace is... You need to hear that this morning. My grace is sufficient. It's not your perfection. It's not how good you do it. It's not how good you put everything together. It's, oh God, your grace is sufficient for me. If you need God's grace today to overcome maybe those things, to trust God, say, God, I'm going to lay these things at your feet. I'm not going to live in the misconception of perfection. I'm going to live in the proper perspective of knowing that God, no matter what has been my past or my failure or my difficulty, it doesn't matter what marriage you're on. It doesn't matter what circumstances have happened in your life. It doesn't matter what you did contrary to what God's word was. Listen, I want you to know, yes, those are sins that will separate you from God. But the blood of Jesus will cover every sin. And I'm not here today condemning anything that's been. I'm here today declaring that our God makes all things new. So if you ever come to this house and feel like this pastor is condemning because of life circumstances... I'll just tell you what I'm a product of. I'm a product of the grace of God that if Jesus hadn't come into my life, I, I should invite you to some of my family weddings and see what happens at my perfect family. <laughs> I should let you see what goes on around things. You might think, oh, Jason's grown up in church all of his life. I grew up from the time I was two years old. But you know what? I still have relatives that don't know Jesus. And every time I see them, I say, oh, God, thank you that you've saved me. Now, God, use your word and your truth to come into their life because if it were not for the grace, of God the grace of God where would we be we're not here because of our merit you're not here today because well you finally got your act together you finally you finally did the right you no you finally submitted yourself and surrendered to God and allowed God to overcome your weaknesses enough said I think you know what I'm trying to say and I'm a preacher I keep saying it all day long because I like to preach the word I think you understand. I know. I get it, buddy. I'm You're right. You're right. So how about we stand up and allow God's grace? Would you close your eyes with me this morning? We're going to sing this song, and these altars are going to be open this morning. But here's the, here's the picture the Lord wants to give you today. Every, every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. If you would, just in the reverence of the Lord, if you would, please, I'd appreciate your reverence in this moment. I did my best to wrap up somewhat early. Here's a picture I want you to see this morning. Listen, I want you to see a piece of wood that's been tattered, worn, dented, splintered. Here's the picture the Lord would give you today. He's taking that putty 
and he's filling in the gaps of that broken, tattered, splintered piece of wood. He's allowing his grace to fill in the gaps. All those flaws, all those imperfections, his grace is covering. You're here today, I want you to know his grace is covering over you. His grace is covering over you. That he fills in the gaps. And how many would say today, as we close, Father, come and fill this broken place. Thanks for listening. Tune in again next week.